Puck in Pigskin YYC. Just great sports fans talking mostly about Calgary Flames hockey. And Stampeders football. Sprinkled with a bit of everything else. Now, here's your host, a Flames fan with a Knights and Kraken backup plan, Jason Bicek. All right, joining me now from the Calgary Sun and Herald, I believe, Danny Austin covering the Stampeders and Flames. Danny, how's it going? It's going really well, man. Excited to be talking to you. It's always good to talk to Stan. <laughs> We're going off a bye week here, so this gets me uh, back thinking about it before they start practicing again tomorrow. Yeah, it's nice to be talking about them now as opposed to four or five weeks ago when things were looking kind of grim. <laughs> it's crazy what sort of, I mean, they would have played, they were two and five going into that sort of early October game with Saskatchewan and uh, it was all doom and gloom, but what a difference a month makes. Both uh, Stampeders got hot and then both Edmonton and BC haven't won a game since then. So um, yeah. it's been a good six weeks. Suddenly it's like, it felt like the playoffs were going to be super hard. Um, and now they almost feel inevitable, right? So, yeah, they're uh, sitting six and six right now behind the riders at eight and four. And of course, Winnipeg, nobody's catching Winnipeg. So, uh, yeah, that's an awfully good team in Winnipeg. I mean, I'm, I like, I honestly wish that we were in a position to stick with the scheduling. The Stamps played the Bombers so early, played them pretty mm-hmm. tight. It was a good, it was, it was, you know, nobody's pushed Winnipeg other than the Argos team that beat them um the way the stamps did this season but uh i wish we got one kind of like in the last couple of weeks so both teams were firing on all cylinders so we could see how they match up but i actually like that matchup for the stampeders in the playoffs um so i'm, I'm very curious i do not <clears throat> i covered this team in 2016 2017 and 2018 like i know that a lot of good seemingly unbeatable CFL teams are actually quite beatable come playoff time as unfortunately Stan Peters fans know. So I'm yeah. looking forward. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, early, it seemed that fans were kind of angry after those earlier losses to Toronto and BC, and then maybe not so angry after the Labor Day classic. Cause it seemed like people were almost kind of getting into the groove of losing. If that sounds like something to say in Calgary. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre, right? But I mean, I've said, I've talked about this a couple of times, but like the weird thing for me as a reporter is, you know, I was talking to Dave Dickinson and Jeff, John Hoffnagel before the season started. Like they did not expect to come out and, and be firing on all cylinders. They knew they had to build, right? Like, so yeah. I do think that, you know, the frustration with that week one loss to the Argos and then that week two loss to the Lions was, I think they thought they'd win one of those. Like, I, I think that they... Didn't expect the performances necessarily to be that much better, but those were both games that they probably should have won. Um, you know, the, the BC game, Bolivar Mitchell was playing with a fractured fibula, so maybe they shouldn't have won that one. But the Argos game, I mean, Kadeem Carey has been great all year. His one fumble came in the fourth quarter deep in Stamps' territory. That's the only reason the Argos won that game, was sort of that one mistake. But I think that they expected to win those, which would have put them in the hunt to really have a chance at knocking off the Riders. Um, and unfortunately, those losses sort of, you know, in a 14 game season, every loss looms pretty large and, and, and those ones certainly have, but um, you know, a lot of that frustration from fans, me as the beat reporter, you know, it's not my job to defend the team, but I was sitting there and I was trying to say to people like, guys, this is what they said. They said they'd start peaking in mid season and build for the playoffs. And like, I'm not trying to be a homer. I'm not trying to say anything other than what it is, but like they're doing exactly what they said they were going to do. So it's sort of interesting in that way. 
Yeah, like uh, after those uh, first six or seven weeks, um, I myself were kind of discounting them. Um, they they just weren't firing and and weren't uh, weren't exciting me like they usually do. I'm I'm curious to know as as a beat reporter, and I don't know if you're a big fan or not, but what what were your thoughts at, at that point? Like, were had you discounted them, or did you actually think that they would turn things around? Um, so there's, I mean, there's a couple key points in the season. Okay. First of all, I'm not a fan. Like I, like I, I do try to be objective. That's fair. <laughs> I obviously like, I have an affection for the guys, right? Like this is, there's a huge difference between covering hockey and football. And one of the big differences is that the football players don't seem to hate you for asking base, basic questions. <laughs> um, so I like, I obviously like, I mean, like, what do you want me to say? Like, I, 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 I'm happy for them when they win. It doesn't necessarily like ruin my day if they lose. But um, I will say I didn't think those first two losses were a big deal. Like, I wasn't ruling them out. Um, I, I just – there was too much talent. Um, where I began to worry was when they dropped to 2-5 and five after falling to Hamilton. Yeah. Um, that was a weird game because Kamar Jordan went out in the first ha- half, and you really saw how important he was to this offense because, like – Bolivar Mitchell just was not good that game. And you could tell no. that he just didn't have the confidence. He didn't have that chemistry with the receivers. And that's where I began to really think they were in trouble. Um, in part, just because in a 14-game season, you don't have much time to recover, right? So, like, coming out of that loss, like, they just had no room for error. Um, or if they had room for error, they could have – they had three games against the Riders coming up. They could afford to lose one of them and still make the playoffs, but not get to second place. And that's ultimately what's happened. Um, but – they were a changed team. They had a bye week after that tie cats. And I honestly like the hard thing to do with CFL is talk coaching. Cause it's such a weird sport, but, but I honestly do think <laughs> Dickinson said this is that they like the coaches had some real long meetings trying to figure out what they were good at and how to like really focus in on what they were good at and cut out some of the things that were hurting them. And I think that like, we've seen that. And I, I like the, Again, it's not my job to tell fans what to think, but after the – so they beat the Riders twice, then they went beat BC, and then they lost to the Riders, and I just couldn't believe the anger from some fans. Do you know how hard <laughs> it is to beat? Like, the Riders are not a bad team. Beating a th- no. team three, three times in four weeks, I mean, that's tough in football. Like, that's – like yeah. that. Um, you know, football is so much about adjustments. Football is and, – and the losing team always has the advantage because they're the ones who goes and fixes things where the winning team doesn't have to. So I didn't think that mm-hmm. loss – like that loss hurt them in terms of getting the second place. We, you want to see a home playoff game. But um, I think they're more than capable. So they've really – since that since that low point, uh, the turnaround has been pretty remarkable. And uh, I think that they – honestly, I think their defense is as good as anyone in the mm-hmm. league. Um, and I think that we are seeing progress progress on offense. And I think that this Red J. Bagleton uh, addition is, is going to do wonders. I think it's really going to make a big difference. Yeah, like taking those two out of three from the Riders. I mean, I was happy taking two out of three. I I honestly was not upset they lost the third game because I'm I was just happy they took the two. Exactly. And, uh, and uh, yeah, a couple of those games earlier in the season were very close games. I mean. How often does Rennie Paradis miss a 50-yard field goal, right? I mean, that's there's one game there, and then Bo Levi throws just a bad interception at the end of the, that BC game, I think it was. And, you know, that's those are two uh, different results there, right? In the Lions game in, in week two, that was the one where he had the fractured fibula, which again, right. 
like is I mean, I mean you can't say that it's a departure, <laughs> but like I do think people thought he like treated it as if he like snapped his bone. Like no, there was a little crack. Like yeah. he was back. He didn't do the full six games, but like he had four interceptions. He was bad that game. Um, the second, the third Riders game, he had three interceptions. He was pretty bad that game. If I'm being honest, he's had a couple tough games, but it's just weird to me. Like I've, I've honestly never really seen. Fan, like there are a lot of fans who just are, are waiting every time he makes a mistake just to just to jump on him, and like this is a guy who like he's getting better as the season goes on too. He was out for a year and a half. Football players are creatures of habit, you know. He didn't have that 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 routine, um, and he had surgery and then missed all of training camp because of a Bergeron injury. Like, why was anyone expecting this guy to come in and look like the best player in the league right now? <laughs> Like it just was never going to happen. Um, and if you, like, I'm not trying to, I'm going to sound like a jerk saying this, but like, if you understand anything about athletes, it's that almost like they're often very boring people. They have to be up early. They have a routine. They work out hard. They, they eat the same thing. Losing that for a year for a guy in his thirties, like was inevitably going to mean that Bo had a few growing pains this season. It honestly was. So it's like, if you know anything about athletes, like <laughs> understandable and you can't actually look around this league. Tell me what quarterback's been great. Like, no, he's been fine. Wow. Like, Is that Claros? <laughs> yeah. But like, but like, yeah. Um, so yeah, let's chat. You're talking, just talking about Bo a little bit there and how, you know, they're, they're kind of boring characters and they, they work hard and stuff. And <clears throat> I think everybody, Bo has that big superstar, you know, stereotype. And I think everybody thought he was going to come out fire. And I personally didn't. I knew it would take a few games, but um, he's looked really good since then, though. The last few games has have been pretty good. Last game, I think he threw three picks, but I mean. Well, that would have been the right. He looked good against Ottawa. He didn't throw any picks against Ottawa. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they had one turnover. It was when the game was out of hand on Tim Milanovic, Trey fumbled it. Uh, I know they really wanted a zero turnover game there, but he has been looking better. And I mean, a big part of that is just Kamar Jordan being back. Mm -hmm. uh, he missed what three, four games. Um, him being back just makes a huge difference. Cause he's one of those guys who they have that built in chemistry that you build over years. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know that Bo was, has been physically right all year. He's admitted that that surgery he had sort of at the end of 2019, maybe his shoulder didn't, respond quite the well the way he'd hoped um mm. so i do think like we we're probably gonna see over the next couple weeks them play a little bit safer not not do some of those sort of dave dickinson described them as being intermediate passes so it's sort of those like 13 to 18 yard passes where they seem to be having trouble because he looks great when he's bombing the ball downfield like he's had a lot of big throws probably more than anyone um but it's those sort of intermediate that he seems to be having just a little bit of trouble he's under throwing it a lot um but it's been better. The numbers have been better. Um, the picks are obviously a concern, and you don't win in the playoffs if you turn the ball over in the CFL. That's so it, it that like I can't. I'm not going to downplay that. That's real. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, he's uh, he's looked better. I think like honestly, if I was a Stan Peters fan right now, you got to you win or you lose in the playoffs. That's what it comes down to, and it's entirely possible that a, a pretty good Riders team gets the better of them in that West semifinal. But I I see. I, I think this team is better than Saskatchewan, so I think they're in the West Final, and I think they're in the West Final against the Bombers, and all Bo has to be is good. I don't think he has to be great. <laughs> yeah. 
good. You have to not turn the ball over, and this defense will keep you in it. Um, and I, I think they've got a, a, a – they're in with a decent shot against that Bombers team. I really do believe that. And we just like – it's weird because I'm not putting it all on Bo. I do think people need to give him a little bit of a break. I think he's been better than some people would like to say he has. But um, ultimately, like, everything else looks pretty good right now. The running game looks good. The O-line looks yeah. good. Um, the defense looks great. It's the best special teams unit in the league. So you're just waiting for that passing game. Um, and that's, again, where Reggie Bagleton comes in, and I just think he's such a game changer for them. Yeah, that kind of leads me to my next question is, how big was the return of, of Trey Roberson, and how big will the return of Bagleton be? This is, I think they're going to be pretty solid going the next uh, couple weeks here. Yeah, I mean, I'll argue that Bagleton's a bigger signing than Roberson. Not that he's a better mm-hmm. player. That's not that. And I, mean, I actually don't want to go down that road. I don't know who I think is a better player. Um, <clears throat> the defensive backfields so of Trey's obviously the boundary corner. Um, Trey, like, before he had a concussion in 2019, like, I don't think there's any question that he was the best boundary corner in the league. And that's such an important position. So he's obviously, like, the type of player you want on your team. It's just, I think Deshaun Amos and Raheem Wilson were doing a great job boundary side as is. So that's sort of like improving an area that was already a strength. Um, but I, I do think it's huge. And I do think like he's a guy who he goes up and gets the ball. He really is an NFL talent, a little bit of bad luck there. Because he was a quarterback in university, he had to come to the CFL and work on his game as a defensive player a little bit. But I think he did that. And, you know, that just meant he went to the NFL a little bit older. So he, you know, he had to take a shot um, when he did and it didn't work out and he's back, but that shouldn't be a takeaway. Like that shouldn't take away from what he is as a player. So that signing was huge. The thing with Reggie Bagleton is Reggie Bagleton, like he had what the second most receiving yards, maybe the third in the CFL in 2019. He like, he was the star in 2019. He was the most upsetting player nominee for these Stampeders. Um, he runs so well, he's got a different body type. Like he can, he can take contact and get those extra couple yards. Um <clears throat> And he's just, he's fast. He's got great hands. He's exactly what the Stampeders need. Um, he, him and Kamar Jordan do play the same position. So I'm going to be a little bit curious how they work out that. But like I put on Twitter probably a month and a half ago, I was like, okay, hey, take every NFL player who's formerly been a Stampeder and you can add them to the Stamps roster. And Stamps fans being Stamps fans, they're all going to say, well, oh, we'd want Alex Singleton. I thought it was Reggie Bagleton. I, I, I think like, <laughs> I think he he fixes he fills a hole that this team had like he really really does yeah um he he's exactly what they've been missing yeah I agree Bagleton does fix the hole because I I think that we need more a, a bigger player like that on offense than we do on defense our defense seems not too bad at the moment so defense is great defense yeah is great. um when you can get a player like Trey Roberson you get him like no no argument here I'm just like the one thing that they've been missing is someone else other than KJ who really is stepping up. And I think Marky Vambles and Josh Huff have been good. They just have been a little bit inconsistent and they're not sort of, they don't seem to have that take the game over mentality that, that a guy like Bayleton and a guy like Kamar Jordan do. So um, yeah, I mean, they've never released Josh Huff, which is unfortunate. He was a good player, but um, yeah. And you honestly, the hole that this team has is that like the problem has been the passing game exclusively like i think the defense is if you wanted to say it was the best in the league i wouldn't argue with you but otherwise it's the second best behind winnipeg and i don't think there's any question 
Yeah, and you mentioned uh, releasing Josh Huff, and that was actually going to be my next question for you is, is there anything else behind that 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 we, that I don't know about? Because uh, he was having not a bad season. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, okay, there is no vaccination issue. I, my understanding is Josh Huff wasn't going to take – he didn't want to go take a practice roster position. He's, like, he's got NFL experience. He believes that he's got another shot at the NFL. So he was the odd man out. And, you know, uh, okay. Okay. And he didn't want to do practice roster, so you got to release him. And from his perspective, it likely means he gets a head start on on being able to go and and, and try for some NFL opportunities and, and sort of connect through his agent with them. Um, mm-hmm. From Peter's perspective, they weren't just going to put him on the one-game injured list because right. that has salary cap implications. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been – I apologize. I need to drink some water here. Um, no worries. The question everyone had was, was this related to his COVID vaccination status? And the answer is no. He is double vaccinated. That is not what is going on here. So I hadn't even thought of that. So <laughs> yeah, no, I would, trust me, people on Twitter did. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like until the playoffs, because come West final guys who aren't vaccinated aren't going to be able to play. But like I made a decision not to comment on who's vaccinated and who's not until mm-hmm. it matters until it matters for what happens on the field. So, um, but I, I had to go in with Josh off and clarify that because there were just this rumor started on Twitter and you know how Twitter is. Um, yeah. and all, and it was like, even though no one was saying that it's definitely true, you could tell it was becoming accepted. So I, yeah. I did need to clarify that. Yeah. So speaking of the playoffs, we're uh, heading into uncharted territory this season. We're having uh, some late playoffs and a December great cup. How weird is that going to be? Yeah, it's going to be bizarre. Um, (laughs) It's going to, I mean, it's weird. Like West final, honestly, I don't think in the prairies, like in Alberta, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, I actually don't think sort of mid to late November versus early December makes a huge difference. It can, it's either cold or it's not. And like once we kind of hit mid-November, it can be minus 30 or it can not be. So I don't know that that's going to be that bad, but like I'm from Toronto, <clears throat> Southern Ontario, <clears throat> excuse me, Southern Ontario in um, early December is a lot colder than Southern Ontario <laughs> in, in late November. So um, yeah, so it is going to be, it's going to be bizarre. I mean, I don't know, I'll be honest, as a reporter, like, I'm just going until the season's done. Um, and, like, if the Stamps win the Grey Cup, I'll probably come back to Calgary. If the Stamps aren't in the Grey Cup, I'll probably go see my family for Christmas. Like, so it's not – it doesn't make a huge amount of difference for me. But, um, yeah, we can pretty much guarantee that weather is going to be a factor in terms of who wins the Grey Cup this year. That's that's pretty much guaranteed. And, uh, yeah, we're, it'll be interesting. Um, I don't know from, like, a – wider media perspective like it's only like tsn's not a practice like like cbc is not a practice tsn's the only one that's like notable there because they supposedly invest so much in the league um but (laughs) i mean the the two mark steven and matt rose the two radio guys and i and me will be there whether it's december or january or february or march or june we don't care we'll be there so from a media perspective but yeah it'll uh definitely means takes me a while before I really start focusing in on hockey. I'll tell you that. Yeah. 
Well, both teams have to play in that cold, so it's uh, it's not like the East teams know what it's like to play in late December either. So, <laughs> no, that's true. It's uh, mid December. This is weird because, like, the West semifinal in 2019, um, like this is sort of why I say that November December, I don't think it makes a difference for the weather. Like, Stamps hosted the West semifinal in 2019, and like it was freezing here. A week later, it was like plus six, like. And I I wonder how the Stampeders would have done in a better weather game. I still think the Bombers win. You got to give them credit. But like the Stamps really struggled with the with the temperatures. Like they they struggled to throw the ball. Nick Arbuckle at one point told me that he went in on a short yardage play and he literally couldn't feel the ball in his hands when it was like it was <laughs> insane. But the Bombers seemed to deal with it just fine. So you know both teams have to play in it, but there some teams are better at it. Yeah. Uh, so let's break away and talk uh, kind of general CFL talk. Um, last year and a half or so has been really uh, chaotic CFL-wise. There's been a lot of talk uh, of what's being done to promote the league and the XFL coming in and then not coming in. And uh, what's your take on the last couple years of the CFL and, and moving forward? Do you think the CFL can overcome all the negativity that it's had in the last year and a half or so and kind of turn things around and, and market the game better? Uh, I mean, I struggle with the marketing thing. Uh, I don't think that marketing is actually an issue. Um, okay. For this league. Like I think that apathy in Toronto and Vancouver is a much bigger threat to this league than any like perceived negativity, to be perfectly honest with you. Like I can't tell you how much people just literally don't care. Like it's not it's not like people are aware mm-hmm. that the Argos are playing and are deciding, oh well, we hate the CFL. They just don't pay attention. Don't, yeah. Um, and like, guess what? It's really expensive to market anything in a city Toronto size. It's really hard to like find your piece of the pie. And I keep hearing people be like, well, MLSC has all this money. It's like, how much money are they going to spend on marketing a team to get an extra, like, you know, there has to be a payoff for that. And, and a lot of people don't see it. So um, I, I think that the CFL, I think that look, the people in that office are doing the best they can. Um, I struggle at times with, it feels like half the time the CFL wants to be treated like it's a big time professional sports league. And then they, they're basically like, well, we're a mom and pop shop whenever like they're criticized for falling short. Um, and I really wish that they wouldn't do that. Um, but no, I think, uh, I don't think that ultimately them missing 2020 as a season, I, I know that I'm sort of going off on various tangents here. I don't think that them missing 2020 was all that big a deal for most fans. Like it sucked. We wish we had CFL. It's sort of embarrassing that it was the one league that couldn't figure out a way to do it. Um, I wish that it certainly put into focus when Randy Ambrosi shows up every year at the Grey Cup and tells us how amazing the league is doing and that they're <laughs> in great financial shape. It's like, well, you were lying to us. Um, but I don't think that this league can afford to play without fans. So 2020 being canceled is fine. And I honestly think most people got over that and we're just happy to have the product back. Mm-hmm. Um, the XFL thing I think is more damaging. Um, I have said this in numerous times, but it sounds as if the Argos were kind of the drivers behind that. Um, the Argos are owned by Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment is basically a partnership between Rogers and Bell. Um, if 
the Argos are pushing it. That means Bell's pushing it. Bell owns TSN. What does that tell you about what the major financial stakeholder seems to want for the CFL? That really scares me. Um, I think that when you market your league, the, the best thing that this league has going for it is its Canadianness. The strength of the league is the mm-hmm. fact that it's uniquely Canadian. We don't have many things in this country that are just ours. Uh, the CFL is one of those things. So I think that that public flirtation with the XFL hurts that because it says that that Canadianness isn't enough, that we need to partner up with the Americans again. And if you partner up with the Americans, like, who are we kidding when people are like, oh, well, maybe they'd keep three downs. No, they wouldn't. Of course they wouldn't. We would be playing American <laughs> rules. And I don't, I'm not actually even saying that playing American rules would be the worst thing. I'm not even necessarily saying that I don't think that's a move that they should make. But we have to admit that we're selling out the league. We're selling out the traditions. We're selling out the, the Canadianness. And I think a lot of fans felt that. And I think a lot of fans were resentful of the way that those merger talks were covered by a lot of people. Um, and I think that that was really damaging. But ultimately, to bring it back to my very first point, um, I'm far more worried seeing 6,000 people in the stands in Toronto. Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment is not going to prop up an Argos team that's bringing 6,000 people to the stands. I don't know why that game was on a Wednesday night, but it was. Um, if we lose Toronto, we probably lose Montreal. If we lose Toronto and Montreal, this league's done. So uh, I don't think it's a marketing issue anywhere else in the country. I think that it's this league is losing ground fast in by far, by far the biggest market in this country. There is no, like, Calgary's the fourth biggest city, but, like, our population, the total of Calgary's population is, like, what, one-tenth the total of the greater Toronto area? Yeah. So um, that's where the money is in this country. That is where the population is in this country. And we need a team there. And that's I, – I don't think it's a marketing issue. I, I honestly don't. Um but yeah, that's that's where I worry about the league. Yeah, and and you can tell that it's it's the Toronto fans ultimately don't care because they're first place in the East Division right now, so they should be drawing fans. Obviously, people don't care, which is why people aren't showing up. <laughs> yeah, well, because like I've said, like my parents, like I'm I'm not from Markham or Mississauga. Like I'm from Toronto, and like my family always comes to. The Argos, like the Stamps game in, in Toronto, and like I'm embarrassed. Like I don't want them to come. I want them to come to a game in Hamilton or Ottawa, where there are actually fans in the stands. But like nothing about like it just makes it worse when you go to a game and there's no fans there. You feel like oh this is not the cool thing to do. This is lame. Nobody's here, and then you don't go back. So it's like I don't know how you fix it. I, it's chicken and egg, man. It's like it's brutal and. Like, I, of course, when I'm home, all my friends are asking me about the CFL, all of that, but they have no idea. I don't think they can name a player. Is it because Toronto's so big and there's so much other things to do? Is that 100%. what? 100%. You've got 81, yeah. you got 81 Jays home games every year. You've got the Raptors. You have Toronto FC. You have, like, like if you have other interests, like there's a huge theater community, one of the best in the world. Like mm-hmm. there's there's so much to do in that city. Um, yeah. So you're you're fighting for entertainment dollars, and I will say that I don't like this is and I honestly like I don't blame the Argos for any of this. I think it's an impossible no. situation. I, I I think that like there's no one who 
I think does better work on the social media side than the Argos team. Like I, I honestly have all the time in the world and respect and like, it's a dream of mine to one day cover that team because it's my hometown team. And I love, you know, mm-hmm. I, I grew up and I'm only 37, like 20 years ago when I was in high school, like we didn't go to every game, but I can tell you when the East final came around, all my buddies were all going down. Like we cared like just enough. It's not like that anymore, man. And yeah. I like, I keep hearing people say, you know, I've seen these arguments that, and it's like, you do have to understand the market, but I see people be like, well, why don't they do this or do that or get billboards up or or do that? I'm like, (laughs) Hey, it's 2021. Like, like most advertising should probably be going to like Instagram. Like, yeah. Like a billboard's not going to make the difference here. guys. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about getting people who care zero. We're not talking about that fan who goes once a game and you're trying to work the analytics to get them come to three times a game. We're talking about people who yeah. have not, could not name a player on the team, don't care that they exist, trying to get them in. It's a completely different job <laughs> in the market. And when people bring up, people say, oh, well, it's Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal. No, it's not. Montreal gets draws good crowds when that team's good. Montreal does crowds. Montreal supports a winner. They, they, they yeah. really do. <clears throat> So and 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 BC used to used to sell out. They used to get good crowds in BC. Yeah, and like maybe they got the back. That team's been pretty bad for a while now. Um, and but like Vancouver is another one of those cities. Like it's a different culture. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I'm not comfortable talking about Vancouver the way I am about Toronto because I'm from Toronto. Like, I yeah, know, yeah, I know that market right. So, um, so yeah, no, Toronto is a completely different issue than Vancouver and Montreal. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, we got two games left. Uh, BC and Winnipeg, right? Is that? Yep. Yeah. So we uh, BC this coming Friday in Vancouver. Um, that's a game. Obviously, the Stamps uh, put a beating on the on the Lions last time they played a couple weeks back. Um, and honestly, like the Lions are spiraling right now. So that's that's. I mean, it's must win because. You have, I mean, win and you're in the playoffs. Like that's that's literally what it is. Um, well, I, yeah, to make the playoffs. Um, right now, we're four points back of the Riders. However, the Riders have Edmonton, so that's a win right there. Riders, <laughs> like, I, I checked the Riders' recent schedule after going into the third Riders game. Yeah, they have they have Edmonton and the Ticats, so like they're not losing to Edmonton. No one is losing to Edmonton. Like. Um, Honestly, like you and I <laughs> could suit up for Edmonton and we'd put in more effort than than this year's Elks if team. If there was if there was one game I wanted Edmonton to do really well in, this would be it because I think the I think the Highcats could beat Saskatchewan. I really do think that. Sure. And they might they may have to because they may have playoff positioning. Um but I relying on the Elks, come on. Come on. It's not <laughs> um so look, I like I honestly and like going into the that third stamps riders game, I honestly felt whoever won that game was getting second place. Um I just didn't think either team was gonna lose again. Because the stamps like the stamps have Winnipeg in the last game of the season, but like that game is gonna be completely me- meaningless for the bombers. They're likely not gonna be dressing Zach Caleros. Like they're they're gonna be in protect and preserve mode a little bit. So the stamps you think. Yeah, the Stamps should win that game. Um, we always try to make it be some sort of controversy. 2016, 2017, 2018, Stamps didn't dress anybody for their last regular season. <laughs> they just, it's just not necessary. So, um, yeah. So, 
I think the Stamps win both, and I don't think it's enough because I think the Riders win both, and that's that. Or no, I don't think yeah. the Riders win both. I think the Riders win one of two, <laughs> lose both. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll I guess we'll see how things turn out. Uh, now, if you don't mind, and I know you're not into full hockey mode, mm-hmm. but let's talk a little bit about the Calgary Flames, who are going off right now. Like, what what's going on? <laughs> I mean, it's hard for me to think that this is anything other than the Daryl Sutter effect, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, like it's – he clearly has them working. Um, so, yeah, so and I was covering the team full-time last season. Um, and, like, Sutter was pretty clear when he showed up. Like, day one, maybe he didn't take shots at Jeff Ward's preparations. But after that, he really, really did um, constantly. And I, like, I honestly – like, the impression that – Sutter gave us last year was that the team wasn't in shape, that they weren't in good enough shape and they hadn't worked hard enough in training camp to be in that shape, to play at the speed that they needed to play at. And now you're seeing it um, with Sutter, just putting them through the grinder. And I think that like, you're also seeing the players seeing results, right? And suddenly mm-hmm. they're starting to be like, Oh, maybe this is why other teams don't hate Daryl Sutter. Cause he gets results. He gets you working. And, I think you're seeing that confidence. I mean, I joked about it on Twitter. It was just so funny to me last night, seeing everyone freak out about the Kachuk through the legs. And, <laughs> I, and I was like, all right, it was a cool goal, but like it would have been cooler if we hadn't seen him miss 12 times last year. Like, <laughs> uh, like good lucky number 13. He finally landed it. But um, but I, I also like, I don't know why I felt the need to say that. Calgary fans well, but. On the flip, on the flip side of that, everybody was going off about the McDavid goal the other night when he does this like once a week. I'm like, why is it so surprising now? <laughs> I know. It's that I, I actually did have that. Like, obviously, an amazing goal, but it was like, like people being like, "Oh, this is his best ever." I didn't understand that. I was like, he literally <laughs> undresses entire teams. Like, it feels like every second game. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm glad. Yeah. Luck. And I like and. That. Also, upon second and third looks, uh, Ottawa's defense did nothing to stop him. <laughs> was that Ottawa or was that New York? Or not Ottawa, sorry, New York. New York. Yeah, no. They, uh, <laughs> they were all up. But, I mean, that's the scary thing about McDavid is you can be left flat-footed so quickly because he's <laughs> yeah. 60 and he's on you. So, like, um, yeah, that was – I mean, that goal was spectacular. And so was Kachuk. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, I do – man, like, it was miserable covering that team last year. Like no fans in the stands and you're showing up and they're just losing and they can't do anything. Like it was not, it was not particularly fun. No one should feel sorry for him. I mean, my job is ridiculous, but like, um, so like, I'm happy for those guys, man. Like I'm happy that they're having finding a little bit of success. The problem is, I mean, we're all so surprised by this because they were so bad last year and like people should be enjoying it. I will say going into last year, we were all like, yeah, but can they win in the playoffs? And that's the thing that, like, this Flames group has just – they can do whatever they want in the regular season. I'm not judging until you get through the first round at least once. Yeah, the, I think the reason why it's so good right now is because typically Octobers have not been well for us uh, ever. Yeah. <laughs> dating, back, dating back quite a while. So having a hot October was good. It's good to see all of the all of the big guys that Sutter brought in doing well, except for Z- Zadorov. He's not obviously – 
doing yeah, too hot. But <laughs> I haven't. I like. I mean, this is just two guys talking. This is not like, as I said, I'm not covering the Flames until probably January. And I'm yeah, not, yeah. Not paying that close attention. But like, so the Zadorov thing is it's definitely surprising. It doesn't really make sense to me. But um, I don't know. You do like there is talent in this defensive group, right? Like, I think we know that. Like, we know Noah Hannafin. And, like, I think Hannafin took a huge step last year. I think you really saw him. But, like, um, I am surprised. I honestly, I am surprised that this group is playing as well as they were because I thought they made a lot of small moves. But the big thing that happened to them was lost Geo. And I thought they were worse coming into the season than they were coming out of last season as a group. And, hey, I was wrong. Got to admit it. So yeah, yeah, I hate I hate to say it because I, I like Gio, although I'll admit Gio is getting up there and it was you know it's nearing the end of his career, but I still liked him. But I haven't really been missing him. <laughs> I mean, isn't that the way it always is with these guys, though, right? Like um, you know, I'm the biggest Raptors fan out there. I was devastated when Kawhi left. Yeah. Then I kind of liked the way we played without him. And like I like So were you devastated when uh, Lowry left? I was happy for now. We it was time for us to move on. It was time for everyone to move on. Like I'm a big. Uh, this is so like Danny the English major. Sometimes things end, and you're just happy for the experience that you had. Whether that's like a relationship, whether that's with an athlete. I'm happy. Lowry should. He's older. We're not going to win a championship this year. Go, go, take your shot. What you did for that organization, I will like. I grew up a Raptors fan. It was miserable until Kyle Lowry arrived and he changed everything. So yeah, whatever he wants to do, he could literally come up and stab me in the back and I'd be like, well, if it makes you happy, man, like, thanks. Thanks. Please pull the knife out of my back. But yeah, now you say they're not going to make the playoffs, but uh, they're on a roll right now. Aren't they six in a row? Have they won six in a row? I believe. Oh no, sorry. I just meant win the championship. They're not. Oh, okay. They might make the playoffs. They'll be in the mix, but like they're not a championship team. Um, and they weren't going to be this year. So you're an older guy, Kyle Lowry. Go help Miami win a championship. It was oh, like, yeah. as long as it wasn't Philly, because like that's the thing as a Toronto guy. Like I'm only okay, not okay, losing to Philly or Ottawa. Ottawa can't be like I don't even really cheer for the Leafs. Like I like I I grew out of Which that. Is good. <laughs> um, like I think that deep down I would like to win, see them win a Stanley Cup in my lifetime. But like I do not watch the Leafs. I don't follow them. But like if they lost to Ottawa, I'd be really pissed. Um, and then I just can't have Toronto teams losing to Philly teams. Like that's, that, those are the rules. Yeah. Um, so being a big Toronto guy, are you a Jays fan as well? Yeah. Yeah. Again, okay. like, yeah. Okay. Ask away. I'm going to try. So, here. so they missed the, they missed the postseason by a single point or a single win, right? Mm-hmm. Any one of those games that they blew could have, could have made the postseason. Um, is it worse missing by just that much, or would you rather not even be close? Oh, it's way better to be close. Like, <laughs> sports are silly. Like, <laughs> give me, like, a couple weeks of entertainment, even if we fall short. Like, that's what I want is just, like, you become an adult and other things get in the way and you don't feel that, like, childish passion for things. And then sports give you those. So I'd way rather be in the fight and lose than that's, – that's across the board in sports. Like – serve me up heartbreak over mediocrity like so yeah i like i I don't know i got a 
basically a month and a half where I was like constantly checking scores or watching and I was in love with the Jays again. And then, and that was awesome. I don't know. It's a bummer. I think we would have won the world series if we'd won literally one game earlier in the season. Um, but here we are. We're going to win a world series in the next three years. It's going to happen. Now the big question, of course, going into the, this, the off season and coming up season is, are they going to be able to afford Simeon and Ray? Are they going to make that happen somehow? Uh, after what they put the fans through with this rebuild, yeah. Like when you're when you've done the rebuild and you're a contender, you got to spend the money. Um, yeah. that's, like, that's the deal for ownership. And the other thing is like we saw this in 2015 and 2016. Like fans, like Jays fans across the country, not just Toronto people, were always like, if you spend and give us a contender, you have the biggest home market of any team in Major League Baseball. Like you'll get that money back that you spend um, because this whole country cheers for the Jays. Um, it's like, it, and we saw that with the Raptors. Like, yeah, there's no excuse. Go pay them. Um, it's like, it's time for Rogers to go spend big. And like, you're not going to outspend the Dodgers, you know, like that's, that's not going to happen, but you got to pay to keep your best players. And um, you got to pay to have a contender because you can't do four years of losing saying we're, this is the way to become a contender and then not yeah. do it. That's not that's now. Not. Now I'm not a huge baseball fan. Does the does MLB have a hard salary cap just like the NHL or no? Okay. No, I don't. Honestly, like I don't exactly know how it works, but it's 100 not a hard salary cap. So if you want to buy a team, you can buy a team. Oh, the LA Dodgers have bought a team, um, <laughs> 100%. and like I don't look. I think athletes should get paid. Like I honestly like. I'm never rooting for the owner to have more money in his pocket. The owners are already billionaires. I don't, I don't need them, but like the way the baseball, like the money is insane right now. And basically like, it's basically just the Dodgers. Like no one else can afford Mookie Betts' salary for the Dodgers then. So like, it's not great, but um, it's still, I don't know. Jays have so many big bats. We can beat anybody. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we we covered a lot of sports there, so that's the good thing about that's the good thing about kind of rooting for so many different sports and teams is you know if one disappoints you, the next one's playing soon anytime. Uh, <laughs> and again, my whole thing, like I'm at this point, like I'm particularly during football season, I'm just such a passive fan. Like I honestly like. I was saying to you, like, when I get done my, like, eight and a half hours of work, I very rarely am, like, what I want to do now is put on a game. So, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't – I go out for drinks, grab, watch games like that. But um, – so it's easy. Like, I'm as big an Arsenal supporter as I am a fan of any other team. And that's just because it's on Saturday mornings and I'm not – it's not after work. So, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's, I like it's much more it's much more fun trolling people on Twitter anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I gotta tell yeah. I've been I've toned down the trolling a little bit, but you know that's <laughs> uh, all in good fun. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, it was great talking to you, man. And uh we'll good. definitely talk to you again maybe uh once the playoffs start or maybe after we'll get your thoughts after the season's all over. For sure. For sure. I'd love to do it, man. This was fun. Thank you for having me on. So uh, I'll put all your socials down below and uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk again. 
Rad, buddy. Awesome. Have a good one. Thank you so much. This was fun. Appreciate it. All right. Excellent. Have a great one, man. Everyone is looking at me. Time is running and we're down by three. Look inside yourself. What do you see? The pain is in your mind. No, nothing stops me. Everyone is looking at me. Heart is pounding and we're down by three. Look inside yourself. I know what I see.